Thanks for checking out the Reveal Vineyard podcast. We are a Jesus-centered community in El Mirage, Arizona. We hope through these conversations your spirit will be stirred. For more information, you can visit our website at www.revealvineyard.com. Well, hey, we're on week number four of our series that we've called Fresh Air, Learning to Renew the Soul. And so we've been looking at very practical steps that we can take to kind of remain in a healthy pocket of air, even when life around us may be a little bit stale or the circumstances surrounding life may even be polluted. We said in week one that life is life, that there is a beauty in living, but with life also comes stress and turmoil and pain and discomfort, uh, and life can hit back. Do you remember the first time that you were a kid and uh, you got the wind knocked out of you? Remember that sensation, lying on the ground, gasping for air? And you're, you're sure, I'm dying. Remember that? Remember the first time your kid had it happen to them, and they're like, and you're like, you'll be all right, right? They're like, no, you'll be all right. Just give it a minute, right? Has life ever hit you so hard that it knocked the wind out of you? Yeah, now all of us should be saying yes, unless you're four, right? Yes. Life has struck back so hard where it knocked the wind out of us and we have been left gasping for air, not even sure if we're going to make it, thinking, is this the final straw that breaks me? And so we've been looking at how can we begin to breathe again and take in fresh air? How can we renew the soul even when circumstances surrounding life might be polluted? Because life is life. And so we've gone over a few things here in the last three weeks. We said, hey, the first thing is we can avoid polluted thinking, right? We need to control our thought life. Scripture tells us that transformation starts, how? By renewing the mind. So don't don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If we allow the Holy Spirit to renew our thinking, then we begin to renew our living because life is driven by what you think. Week number two, we said, if we want to take in fresh air, we're going to need to loosen the stranglehold of worry, right? That, that, that coming from that high German word, meaning to strangle or to constrict, which is a great picture of what worry does. It chokes the life out of us. You know that they studies show that upwards of, of around 80% of what we worry about never happens? Think of all the polluted air we're breathing in over something that may never even happen. We talked about the term Christian atheist. We all know what an atheist is, someone who doesn't believe in God. A Christian atheist is someone who believes in God, but lives like he doesn't exist. Or I believe in God, but I worry like God doesn't exist. And then week through, Brent Bailey did it. Week three, uh, Brent Bailey did a fantastic job last week when he talked about uh, if you want to remain in fresh air, you're going to need to protect the source. Right? Remember Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. When the heart or when the source becomes polluted, everything downstream becomes polluted as well. Well, this morning uh, on week number four, I have a strange topic for you. Uh, and it's one that is cloaked in mystery uh, and folklore. It's the tales of late night horror flicks uh, and campfire stories. Uh, so don't get up and leave until I can explain myself. But today, I want to talk to you about vampires. Yeah, s- some of you are weird. Now, 
I'm going to tell you something that you may not realize, but let me explain. And that is that vampires are real. And that I'm betting that you even know or have known a few vampires in your life. Now, not the pale skin fangs, I want to suck your blood. Not that kind of vampire. But the type of vampires uh, who, when around you too long, suck the life right out of you. You know any vampires like that? Yeah. Yeah, when they're around you too long, you leave a little less life, you know, you leave lifeless, right? Because they're, they're, they're not blood suckers, they're joy suckers, and they're peace suckers, and they're hope suckers, and they have a spiritual gift to leave you in a bad mood. Know anybody who has that spiritual gift? It's not a real spiritual gift, right? Right, but they're vampires. And so if we want to live in the fresh air, we're going to need to learn how to deal with vampires because they're everywhere. They're at your work, they're at your school, uh, they're in your neighborhoods. Uh, there are even, I'm betting, vampires in your family. Waiting for the next family function to step out of the shadows to sink their fangs in someone. Now, matter of fact, studies show that every family, extended family, has at least one vampire. So I want you to think about your family and your extended family. And are you identifying the person? If you can't identify the person, you're it. I'm just saying, that's just, that's just the way that rolls. So, <clears throat> not to frighten you, but because vampires are everywhere, life suckers, that means that there's even vampires in the church lurking, staring at you right now. So I just want you to take two fingers, and I want you to gently place it on the neck of the person in front of you. Just, no, I'm joking, don't, don't do that. So, Let's talk about how do we keep vampires from sucking the life out of us and taking the fresh air from us. Because we can't avoid them, they're everywhere, so how do we live with them? Better yet, how do we love them as we're instructed to do, uh, and and how, uh, how do we function with them, all right? So let's talk about how we handle dysfunctional people, dysfunctional relationships, and how we keep them from latching on. Let's start with scripture this morning, Romans 12, 9 and 10. Uh, the author is the Apostle Paul. He writes this. He says, love must be sincere. In other words, love has to be genuine and honest, meaning if someone loves you to get something from you, that's not love, that's manipulation. And vampires have mastered the art of manipulation. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, and honor one another above yourself. The source of a vampire's manipulation flows from their proclivity to be self-absorbed. See, whenever we make life about us for so long, we begin to be transformed into a life sucker. Because if life is all about me, then I will take from you whatever benefits me. And the Bible says the antidote, the antidote to that is begin to honor one another above yourself, meaning begin to think of other people as more important than yourself. That's what Philippians 2 tells us, right? To, to not just look out for your own selfish needs, but to consider the needs of others above yourself. And Paul echoes that as honor one another above yourself. Then he says, never lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. We can say it like this, hey, stay where the air is fresh where the air is replenishing and revitalizing to you. Don't set up camp where the air is thick and polluted and stale and heavy. And then if we kind of get an idea of what this looks like. He says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. 
Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. He's like, look, if you want to live where the air is fresh, then bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone, if possible, as far as it depends on you. Live at peace with everyone. We have a lot to cover today. I think God's going to speak to us, so let's pray as we continue on. So Lord, um, we want you to speak, and we're just not here uh, out of ritual or out of um, spiritual duty. We really want to come and encounter you, even as uh, we did during worship. And now we want to encounter you through your word and through your truth. And um, we would pray that you would speak to us, that you would continue to transform us by the renewing of our mind. I pray for some of us here today that need to set up healthy boundaries, that we would be able to take that step that we could position ourselves where the air is fresh and renewing and revitalizing to our soul. So we invite you, even as we continue in an attitude of worship through our giving, we invite you in that as well, that we place you first even in our finances, even over our finances, uh, as we seek to be better followers of Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's talk about sucker-free living. I have four thoughts for you today. The first one I need to say uh, is you don't be offended today, all right? Uh, I'm going to use the word sucks a lot. Don't be offended, right? There are people who suck the life out of us. It's okay. Lighten up. You'll get more out of it today. But before we go Buffy the Vampire Slayer and begin to point out other vampires, uh, there's something that we need to be reminded about. And here's our first point. Loving people who suck is easier when I remember that I suck too. I told you, you're going to need to lighten up a little bit today. Right? Think about this. That we've all been slaves to sin. Right? We've all had uh, 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 been self-absorbed over different seasons of our lifetime. I've had seasons where I approach life with a greater sense of entitlement. I've been guilty of talking too much and listening too little, where I've made it all about me. I've been guilty of putting in little effort and expecting grand results. Uh, my moodiness has affected other people. Some of you in this church, if you're close to me, I've sucked the life out of a room because I was in one of my moods, right? So, so before we go off and saying all those people, let's remember that we've all been vampires at some point. Uh, at times, I've sucked the life not only out of others, but I've sucked the life out of myself. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 7. He says, so I find this law at work in me. He's going to say, look, there's a conflict taking place. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. I'm conflicted. He says, for my inner being, I delight in God's law. My spirit delights in God. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, or he says, in who I am. Waging war against the, the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members or with, within my entire being. What a wretched man I am. In other words, he's saying, look, sin has had an effect on me that I'm self-absorbed and I can be imprisoned in my own selfishness. He says, who will rescue me from this body of death? 
Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is really the gospel in a nutshell. That we were wrapped up in our own sin. Who can save us? Who can redeem us? And thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So our first rule, just as we're going to kind of take an overview, is uh, when loving people who suck, is remember that at some point in time we have all sucked too. All right, how to remain sucker free. Look, look what we have uh, here. Uh, that is to define your property line. By the way, when I'm saying sucker free in the urban dictionary, that means uh, the d- definition is to be far from people who want to leech off of you. Okay, so vampires, right? Here's, here's my thought. How to remain sucker free. Define your property line. Now, in some neighborhoods, uh, not so much here, although in some of the retirement neighborhoods around here, they still have this, um, the backyards are uh, set up without fences. And so if you decide you're going to do a home project and you're going to build a fence around your yard, you call the city to get a site survey so you know exactly what is your property and what is your neighbor's property. Meaning you don't build a fence just where your neighbor stops mowing. Like, yeah, he stops there. That seems like a good place to build a fence, right? You want to clearly define what is your responsibility and what is, is his responsibility. So f- follow me here. Just because your yard is next to your neighbor's doesn't mean you need to mow his yard. Any enablers need to hear that again. Just because your yard is next to your neighbor's doesn't mean you need to mow his yard. And so when we do not clearly define our property line or what is my responsibility and what is not my responsibility, life begins to spoil. And the air becomes stale and thick and we'll experience frustration and needless stress because we're mowing someone else's yard. Now let's unpack that a little bit. Uh, I'm not saying that we build a wall to keep people out. Right? We're the light of the world, with Jesus being inside of us. We're, we're called to be the hands and feet of Christ. And so we don't build a wall to keep people out, but we are talking about establishing healthy boundaries. What is my responsibility and what is not my responsibility? Dr. Henry Cloud wrote a book years ago called Boundaries where he says this, Christians should build, uh, shouldn't build barriers to keep people out, but we need to build boundaries or the love of God will not be protected in our hearts. And when that is lost, we have nothing left to give. Now think about that. There are some people who want to just keep taking from you. And when there's someone who wants to keep taking from you repeatedly, that relationship needs to be redefined. Right? It needs to be restructured because boundaries are what protect our emotional and mental and spiritual health. Think of it this way. If loving someone means you're mismanaging the investment God has placed in you, you need to redefine your property line. If there's someone in your life, and we all want to love people, and if loving them means you're mismanaging what God has placed in you, meaning you're dying because you're trying to help someone that just keeps taking right? They're a life sucker, joy sucker. That relationship needs to be redefined. Look how Jesus responded when someone stood before him and his destiny. Jesus is predicting his own death and Peter doesn't like what he's hearing. So Peter's going to rebuke Jesus. Matthew 16. He says, Peter took him aside, now him is Jesus, and he rebuked him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Now, kind of catch how it had to be said. It was like, never, Lord, this will never happen to you. I can see Jesus looking around like, I don't know who this guy thinks he is. (laughs) Right? And so Jesus turned 
and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Hey, there's a, there's a phrase you never want to hear Jesus say to you. Get behind me, Satan, for you are a stumbling block to me, and you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Now listen. If loving someone's means you're mismanaging the investment God has placed in you or keeping you from the future God has for you, then that relationship has to be redefined. Jesus is like, look, I got a destiny here to go to the cross, Pete. And if you think you're going to stand between me and my destiny, then we're going to redefine this relationship and there's going to be a boundary set up and you need to get that way. If, if, if someone in your life is causing you to mismanage. And you know when that's happening. You know when someone is slowly draining the life from you. Then that relationship needs to be redefined. Some of us have vampires in our lives who are standing between you and God's future for you. And your spirit dies a little every time you're around them. And every time you leave, you're a little bit more lifeless. And their negativity has rubbed off on you. And just over time, you're not the person that you used to be. And perhaps the best thing we can say to them is, I'm not going to mow your yard anymore. Because that's not my responsibility. I got a heavenly survey, and my responsibility stops right here. All right, here's another idea. If you want to uh, sucker free living, here's an idea. Check the soil. Look what Jesus says on our topic when choosing who we invest in. Now, I'm not saying we don't invest in people, right? We have to invest in people. We're followers of Christ. We share the good news. We have the gospel message inside of us. I love how the imagery uh, is, is that we're broken and cracked vessels, but through those cracks, people can see in and see the spirit of life in us. And so, yes, we invest in people, but, but, but let's talk about who we invest in, and who we invest in depends on the soil. Now, Jesus here is talking about the spreading of the gospel in this parable, but his truth applies to our topic today, and that is that soil matters. Matthew 13. He says, then he told them many uh, things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. Uh, and as he scattered the seed, some of the feed, seed, uh, I'm sorry, as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but because the soil was shallow, when the sun had come up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Others fell, other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plant. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. Jesus says this, that you can sow the same seed to different people and get different results. Listen again. You can give the same investment to two different people and get completely different results depending on the soil that you're investing in. And so when you're choosing who you invest in, and if you have people around your life that are constantly taking from you, at some point you need to step back and say, well, what's the soil like? Look, if the soil's good and there's life springing up, then by all means continue the investment. But at some point, you got to look at it and just say, this soil's bad. And no matter how much I sow into this, there will not be a harvest. 
Look at the different soils Jesus talks about. Verse 4. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Meaning that some people, you know, they, they, they just, they won't even be interested in hearing it. It will just leave them quickly. They don't want a hand up. They just want a hand out. They want you to do it for them. Verse 5. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. When the sun came up, the plants were scorched. There'll be some people, they'll put in a good effort for a very short period of time. And every time, a week, two, a month, that effort dies and they're right back in the same situation. Verse 7, other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plant. Some will even be hostile towards the help that you're trying to give them. We've been there before, haven't we? Verse 8, still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160, 30 times that which was sown. And some people will receive it. Here's a key thought for us. Not every person who receives a good investment will bring about a good return. And so when we're talking about fresh air and we're talking about living with vampires, dysfunctional people, if it's causing you to die and if you're spinning your wheels and you know what it's like when you're fighting for someone more than they are, right? I've counseled people before in marriages and I've told them, I'm fighting for your marriage more than you are. And so you know what that's like. At some point, we need to step back to realize that not every person who receives a good investment will bring about a good return because the soil is bad. And what needs to happen is Jesus needs to till and rework that soil, but that's not something you can give or you can do. At some point, the best thing we can do is, look, I'm hoping Jesus gets a hold of you and reworks the soil because right now it doesn't matter how much I invest in you. It's not going to change anything. This is just, you know, we're we're caught in a cycle. I'm not saying we write them off completely, but sometimes we have limited, uh, think uh, we we have limited results because the soil is bad. Matter of fact, sometimes I think we don't have anything good to give to the people who are most important to us because we're giving to people who have bad soil and it's just draining us. Here's a last thought, sucker-free living. Always watch your balance sheet. Think of this this way. If you made two columns, and one column was relationship assets, and the other one was relationship liabilities. We know what a relationship asset is. It's somebody, it's life-giving, it's replenishing, it's refreshing. Relationship liabilities are people that uh, take from you. Uh, They're negative. Uh, You're giving out, but you're getting nothing back. And of course, there are times when we all have relationships like that, right? Teenagers, right? And so relationships, well, that's the truth. Relationship assets, relationship liabilities. I want you to just do that in your mind and just think through who is in your relationship asset column. Who is it that's good for you and that's replenishing you and that you can just kind of breathe when you're around them and it's refreshing and and it's life-giving and you leave there and your side hurts because you laughed so hard or you had stimulating conversation. And then think on the other side, your relationship liabilities. It doesn't mean they're bad people on the liability side. It just means these are people that I'm investing in, right? Hopefully they have good soil. Now, Here's what I want you to think about. Um, what does your balance sheet look like? What would that look like for you right now? Listen to what, what Paul says about uh, this idea, 2 Timothy. He says, do your best to come to me quickly for Demas, 
uh, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. In other words, he's saying, hey, Demas, he's unreliable. He's a bad investment. Bad soil, I invested in him, but he took off. Right? Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to uh, Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. And then he says, hey, get Mark to bring him with you because he's helpful to me in the ministry. He's like, Mark, he's on the asset side over here. He's a benefit. He's helpful to me. He said, I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. And so when you come, I love how the Bible just throws in these random things. Bring the cloak. It's cold over here. Then I left with Carpus at Troas. And bring my scrolls. And especially the parchments. And my shoes, right? He's like just throwing everything on there. Alexander, the metal worker, did me great harm. The Lord will repay him for what he's done. So he's like, look, Alexander over here, I was close to him, but, but, but he's, he's a liability in this. And so I just, I want you to think through in your life your relationship assets versus your relationship liabilities. And I want you to ask yourself a couple questions. Who is replenishing me in my life right now? What does that look like for you? Who's replenishing you? And then who's draining you? And then who is good for you right now? And who's harmful to you? And if your balance sheet has more liabilities than assets, that's a problem. And if your uh, balance sheet has an equal number of liabilities than it does assets, that's a problem. How many do you need? I don't know. I think that might vary for each of us. But ran across an interesting study. It was done years ago, uh, and they studied uh, couples and gave them 15 minutes to work out some kind of conflict in their marriage, and then they watched them. And after watching them, they followed them for nine years, and they were able to predict with 90% accuracy which of those couples would make it and which of those couples would end in divorce. And they said the difference between happy and unhappy couples was the balance between positive and negative interactions during conflict. They said there's a, there's a magic ratio, and what they worked up was five to one. That means for every negative interaction during the conflict, a stable and happy marriage had five positive interactions. And I wonder if for us on this balance sheet, in order for us to remain emotionally and mentally healthy, do we need a relationship asset liability ratio similar to this? I mean, for every person that is taking from us, and that's not always a bad thing, right? We invest in people. But for every person over here, do we need five people over here that are sowing into us? doesn't mean they're going to be best friends. It could be somebody at work that's just you just enjoy laughing with. That's a relationship asset. And I wonder if we need some type of ratio like that. But if this gets skewed, and if you have four people over here that are just taking and take, maybe you're an enabler, or they're just taking from you and taking from you, and you have one person over here in the assets column, I can guarantee you that you are dying. Because you're giving out more than you're taking in. Stephen Furtick once said that we need people who irrigate our lives to offset the people who irritate our lives. I know that's pretty good right there. Right? Because withdrawals, when, when withdrawals outweigh deposits, we go broke. Remember putting your money in the ATM and it's like, there's nothing in there? Right? When withdrawals exceed deposits, we go broke. Well, that occurs relationally as well. So let me leave you with this. Talking about fresh air. Are there any relationships that you need to redefine today? What does that look like for you? And do you need to position yourself 
in a pocket in a place of fresh air? And is it possible that you have been mowing someone else's lawn for so long that you don't even realize that it's slowly killing you? And so my suggestion would be is that you begin to pray and seek wisdom on this and ask what God would say is your next move. Start to weigh the soil. What does that look like for the people who are in your life? But if someone, if loving someone is causing you to mismanage the investment that God placed in you, then something has to change. Amen? Stand with me. Next week, we're going to talk about choosing joy in our uh, series. It'll be good for us as well. It'll be good for me, I'll tell you that much. All right. Let's just kind of uh, allow God to speak to us here for a moment. Holy Spirit, we invite your presence to speak to us now and to um, make yourself known to us. And we want to ask that you would um, just kind of settle the word over us and your truth over us. And I know in a way it was a little bit more lighthearted, but there's some truth here that I think we need to unpack and settle on. And so uh, I I would pray that over us. And for some of us, we have a really difficult decision to make right now, a decision to redefine some boundaries and to reestablish uh, a relationship protocol. And, and so I pray that you would speak to those who need to hear that f- word from you and that you would give us the wisdom and how we tactfully begin that conversation. Give us wisdom and how we begin to redraw those boundaries. And so we don't want to mismanage what you've placed in us. We certainly don't want someone to stand between uh, us and the future that you have for us. And so give us wisdom over people who may be pulling us down and their negativity is rubbed off on us and they've just not been good for us. Put us in a position where the air is fresh, where the Spirit of God is breathing upon us, and it's renewing the soul, and it's refreshing the mind, it's restoring the psyche of who I am. We invite you, Spirit of God, to continue teaching us as we move forward throughout the week. Pray that you would bring people in that are relational, uh, relationship assets to us that can sow into our lives and that we can sow into their lives as well. So church, I bless you to step into all that God has for you today and this week. Pray that his face would shine upon you and he would be near to you. Pray that his hand would rest upon you. He would be gracious towards you, that you would experience the radical love of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Guys, I'm glad that you are here today. Come back next week. We'll continue the series. Hey, invite someone back. It'll be a good topic next week, just about choosing joy, even when circumstances are polluted. God bless you.